Good morning, Rise and Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. It's Friday, thank God. Oh, been a week. How about yours? Freedom Family Friday means that my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wifey's joining us in studio. She got the baby bump. What's up, Steffi P? I'm purposely wearing a shirt that that shows a little bit more of my of my bump. It's kind of hard to see the bump. Uh, there we go. There's the little bump, right? The Tiny bump. little bump. People were concerned the about they were concerned about the bump. There's the bump. Oh, the baby P for liberty. <laughs> Even make them give me rants for the bump. Here, let me put the microphone up to the baby's, uh, up to the baby right here. See if you can hear it. Hold on. This is what. Let's see if we can hear the baby. Hold on. Here, I got the the third microphone set oh. on the. Here we go. Ready? There it is. Wow. Very nice. Very cute. Yes. Yeah, my sister was gonna give me an at-home sonogram device yeah but so then, that you could check it all the time but i'm like you know what that would make me neurotic yeah it's like we're we're trying not to be obsessive about it you know but it's funny because your pregnancy has just been so just clear sailing pretty much i know i barely know i'm pregnant i have to remind myself all the time everyone but the only sign that you're pregnant is that is that every once in a while i'll hear, I'll hear from the from your room it'll be like oh uh, yeah it's my my little gagging yeah, my, my gag reflex is, is very uh, amplified now. So when I'm brushing my teeth, I can definitely gag very easily. Yeah. And it's, it's like heartburn. I've had heartburn my whole life, so it's, it's just gotten worse. Mm, yes, well, Baby P for Liberty is estimated to join us on this planet on July, in July, the month of July. That's right. So we're going for our 16-week appointment today. I'm like, I'm I'm almost 17 weeks. Like, I think Monday will be 17 weeks. So, 16 yeah. weeks, though, today. That's so, we're going to get to hear the baby's heartbeat on the Doppler today. We get to hear the baby's heartbeat today. And then a month from now, we get to determine the gender, which is, no, you know, no, going to trigger a lot of people no, out there, right? Because yeah. No, yeah. We're going to let the doctor tell us what the gender is instead of the kindergarten teacher. Yeah, I mean, should we trust doctors more than teachers? Yeah, I guess it's a good question. PGH Metalhead, good morning. Mighty Megatron, Robbie Theremin, Quest Fanning, uh, Bruce Burt Whistle, Pork Chop, Liberty Shindig, and Andy Opperman. What's up, What's up, everybody? How you doing? Good morning. You know the drill. Anything goes on Fridays. We've got a lot to talk about, lots of fun things to do. And today is the conclusion of the series of the top five most libertarian presidents. Ooh. And uh, people have really been enjoying these so far. The, you know, it's been Everyone fun. gets so excited. Yeah. Somebody was like, uh, uh, was kind of criticizing them because I was uploading them yesterday onto YouTube because, you know, now that they've unlocked them, I'm sharing them with the rest of the world. And they were right. saying, these are lazy. These are artificial intelligence created and they're like no i'm like it actually takes it still takes a lot of work to create these even using ai and I mean, uh, you all are not in the living room with me while i'm watching him he yeah. takes hours to make these videos <laughs> that is not lazy no it's not uh, but to, thankfully people do appreciate it they've been unlocking them every single one has been unlocked today is 
the final in the series of the top five. Who knows? If you really want, I could do the top 10, but it's up to you. Then we're, people are really going to fight. The over... top 45? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but the top five most libertarian presidents is the bonus <laughs> content this week on the show. You can unlock that content by uh, making a Rumble Rant donation or by purchasing products from APForLibertyShop.com during the store. So if you would like to find out who is the for the uh, the fifth in the top five most libertarian presidents make a rumble rant donation today. Um, Warlocks zero zero says regular listener and watcher, but first time live watcher. Kids and live, you know. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! Welcome, Welcome. Though, Warlocks. We'll try to be as kid friendly as possible. We usually sure are. We can do that. We usually are. Yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, Quest Fanning says, "I am sixteen, going on seventeen. Baby P for liberty. Thank you, Quest. Yes." <laughs> Liberty Shindig says, today is Woodrow Wilson. Oh, God. Oh, goodness. No. No. No, that, that's what we, next week should be. It should be the, the worst, top five worst presidents in like U.S. history. Would you like definitely that? definitely like that. Okay. Yes. I've heard of this person that the video is going to be on today, but I definitely have forgotten all facts about this person because they're not very well known. Right, right. That's the thing is that the most libertarian presidents in U.S. history are the ones that everybody forgot because they didn't dominate everything that they touched and start wars over everything. And that you know, the, they were at the center of attention. Yeah, most presidents that people consider to be great are the ones who started the most wars, killed the most people, uh, burned down the most, uh, like, you know, took away the most freedoms and the presidents are then they're like, Oh, these are the greatest presidents, the historians say. So, but the most libertarian presidents so far that we've unlocked were Grover Cleveland. Calvin Coolidge. Yes. Um, I haven't been watching every single day, so I'm, I'm not really <laughs> sure. Okay. Martin Van Buren. Okay. Uh, uh, Grover Cleveland, uh, Calvin Coolidge. Okay, um, so we got oh, oh, three. Chester, Chester Arthur. Oh, Chester Arthur. Chester okay, A. and then Arthur. today's. And then person. today's. But they have to find to find out who it is. They have to unlock it. Uh, you didn't do Thomas Jefferson. He's not in the top ten. What? I mean, he, well, he may be in the top ten, but he was not in the top five. What? I, you know, a lot of people That's, were concerned about that. But I don't agree. He passed. How about George? No, George Washington was not in the top. He was not in the top five. That's for sure. John Adams, of most libertarian, it's like, what definitely the not. De We're all no. about the founding fathers with their coffee. Yes. Like these are the greatest men. They are. They may be great men, but that doesn't mean that they were the most libertarian of presidents no. in U.S. history. Just uh, my dream. The funny thing is, is that in order to make my artificial intelligence pictures that I use to create my history videos, the bonus content, uh, I have to make pictures of politicians. Uh, this morning, I logged in to make. A picture of Joe Biden because we're going to be talking about his mental fitness or lack thereof here in just a moment. Uh, and guess what? You can't make pictures of him. I can't make pictures of Joe Biden anymore. Wah, wah. Wah, wah. So I pay a lot of money for these AI software programs so that I can make awesome content for the show. Uh, and typically it'll be stuff like Joe Biden sitting in a hospital bed and in his pajamas looking confused. Right. Right. You're not like making pornography of him or anything. No, I'm not making anything inappropriate. It's right. just like a funny picture of Joe Biden. Uh, and then uh, we use it to you know advertise the program, right? We're talking about Joe Biden's mental fitness. So making a picture of him in a nursing home. Okay. So the news is, is that because of the rise of AI deepfakes in 2024, this being an election year, Midjourney, which is what I use to generate most of my images, Midjourney has now turned off the creation of all pictures of Joe Biden. Uh, That's ridiculous. But 
they did not turn off pictures of Donald Trump. Womp womp. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. Although in the article I read, they said they want to. They well, they want. They want to turn off the pictures they, of Donald Trump. They want to, but they haven't. Right. If you want to make lampoons and make fun of Donald Trump, perfectly fine. Yes. If you want you to have make, a window of time and, until they possibly yeah, shut that I, off too. Yeah, and this is literally like breaking news, and it right. may, it may not be like it may not be the kind of thing that most people think has earth shattering consequences mm-hmm. for their uh for in their world. They're like, what does this have to do with me getting my kids ready for school right now this morning? Let's talk about school choice, or let's talk about this, or something like that. What Austin can't make funny pictures of Joe Biden, but like. This is kind of a free speech issue, and and it also just goes to show that artificial intelligence is not nonpartisan, uh, and it will be making decisions for us in the future. It will be taking people's jobs, and it will be determining, you know, oh, is this a job that maybe a right winger might take? Oh, well, then this is a job we're definitely going to take. And now, all of a sudden, instead of it being the kind of job like a, a history teacher, right, that all of a sudden, this is going to be the kind of thing we're going to outsource now to artificial intelligence that's going to advance a different worldview. This is definitely censorship. Mm -hmm. I mean, we already experienced it on chat GPT. Whenever I try to write anything about Joe Biden or Donald, well, Donald Trump, even like if I say something like, you know, help me sell a bathing suit that has Donald Trump's face on it. It'll be like, I'm sorry, that is inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Please send me something that is more appropriate. When it's entirely appropriate. It already censors a lot of things about politicians. Uh, Mighty Megatron says, gay tube is already tightening anything against Biden and Dems. Yeah, it's very true. We don't stream the show live on YouTube for the next uh, 28, 29 days. Uh, we got a 30-day exclusive creator content creator license with Rumble.com. Hey, what's hey. up, Rumble? Thank you, Rumble. Yes. They've been featuring you a lot. They have, and it's certainly been exciting. Yesterday, we had two thousand seven hundred people watching us live. Um, I think the that's top, almost the maximum we've ever had. Yeah, the biggest I think we've ever had was over th- a little over three thousand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yesterday, we got pretty close, and it's very yeah. exciting. Uh, and we're grateful to Rumble.com for the opportunity. So you can only watch the Wake Up America show now over at Rumble.com at least for the next thirty days. It would be nice if they would kind of like, you know, give us a deal and be like Rumble exclusive for like a year. Oh, absolutely. That'd be awesome. They do that with some creators. They do. There are there are a few that go Rumble exclusive and stuff like that, but usually there's, you know, involved, right? Yes. Right, right. But just to comment on, on that whole Biden picture mm-hmm. thing, here's the reason why you got to still keep your old school skills. Mm-hmm. It's because people like moi, I was making deep fakes of Josh Hawley back in 2018 without Wrong the date. use of AI. I had him sitting in a chair with strings attached, looking like a puppet. Mm-hmm. So you can still make deep fakes mm-hmm. with your Photoshop skills. Yeah, you, it's that, not like we can't do it anymore. It's true. We do need to re- retain a lot of these skills. I mean, and you know, our creativity is is only hampered by these tools where it makes it like the absolute easiest. Right? We'll still be able to do this time saver. And and thankfully, over the last year, I have been generating thousands of images of Joe Biden and Donald Trump that I can go back into my archive and get. Get these pictures and use them in yeah. the be interesting if they start shutting those down if they say any further images that you share in your thumbnails are going to be shut down yeah that that's not going to happen because it's there was a court case that already came out and and proved that those
those are uh, the the rights are owned by the creator. Mighty Megatron dropped two bucks in the kitty. And thank you. Thank you. Send yes, you. send your rants. Buy items from our shop. Yes, uh, Mighty Megatron says. Notice the parade shooting wasn't covered by the MSM media heavy yesterday. Once it was known the color of the shooters. Interesting. Ah, so they it. have officially revealed the color of the shooters. I, mean, I know this is something we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we are going to talk about the parade shooting. My sister yesterday uh, sent me this text message. We were having a little back and forth discuss, uh, talking it, about it because she was there with my nephew Mario. Yeah. And she says, I'm sorry I didn't text back yesterday. She says, it was just a world of emotions. It makes me sad that this might be our last parade. I don't know if I'll go to another one. Thank you for worrying about us. And I'm just so happy and glad everyone is okay. I said, I was terrified. Thankfully, it wasn't long before I heard you were okay. So between mm -hmm. the time that I found out that the shooting was, was going on, and I heard that Jody was okay. It was about five minutes. So that's you. Yeah, we yeah. were. Yeah, we were together we were after taking, a nap. Taking our afternoon nap. Yes. She and then I said it was terrible to see all those children shot. She says, "I know one, one of the mothers that died was actually a Mexican DJ here, um, local." She says that, uh, and I guess her son was shot as well. Mm -hmm. It's really just a shame, but I have a feeling they need to do something. Maybe have a gathering at Arrowhead where everyone can go through metal detectors because I don't know what I would do if Mario or Jess or anybody that I love would have gotten shot yesterday or even worse. It's crazy. And I honestly don't think the shooters were even from Kansas City. If they were, they were probably in a gang. It just makes me really sad. They were teenagers. And I know Mario has to grow up with this generation and it scares me. Oh, scares me too, sis. It was a, a personal dispute between these teenagers. Yeah, it was three uh, juveniles who, uh, you know, they had some kind of a dispute and they just started opening fire uh, on each other and on people in the crowd. 22 people shot, one person killed. By assault weapon. Right. Ten of the people. The news is still not specifying. Ten, ten of the people that were shot were children. Yes. Unbelievable. Yes. Unbelievable. The evil that people, the, the evil that people will commit on one another. But we're going to talk uh, this morning to Justin Peterson. My brother, Justin, will be joining us at 8 a.m. Central. Looking forward to hearing his take on this one. We're going to talk to him about like a tangential subject, but I think it's related because an actor by the name of Clifton Duncan is uh, has been blackballed by Broadway. He used to be a Broadway actor until it came out that he was actually a conservative. Uh, and so now he's out there on the streets raising money successfully for a new one-man show about Thomas Sowell. Cool. And he had a, a goal of raising $10,000. He's raised, I think, three times that already, and, and maybe more. I know that's almost like your dream, just Something to like, make shows about, about economists. Yeah, yeah. Not stage figures not that stage we really plays. like. Yeah, not stage plays, but like documentaries and yeah. things like that. So uh, we'll see how well the um, our first documentary does this year. And then if we do, do well with that, then we can invest in more. I'd love to make a movie about Lysander Spooner. I'd love to make a, a one about Ludwig von Mises and his flight from Austria, you know, the Second World War with the not flight from the Nazis. I think that would be fun. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see this actor making the stage play about Thomas Sowell because Thomas Sowell talks about the problems of violent minority culture in this country. Yes. Uh, and it's Black History Month. Uh, and it's oh, that's for, right. Yeah, so uh, every day I've been producing um, short reels that are Thomas Sowell quotes for Black History Month. I that. Okay, it's because it's Black History Month, huh? 
See the connection? Mm-hmm. I thought it was just because you like him. Well, I do like him, but I've been hashtagging it. Thomas Sowell's Thomas Soul on equality. Thomas Soul uh-huh. on racism. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Black History Month mm-hmm. as a way to share some black history. Here's here's one of you know an American legend, Thomas Sowell. Oh, we respect him very much. Yes, and he's still alive, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's still alive. So I've been creating all of these Thomas Sowell videos and sharing them out this month for Black History Month, which has been infuriating people. Actually, somebody on TikTok the other day said, just so everybody knows, the guy who runs this account is a white man. And I'm like, the white cisgender man. Not just that. Well, it's just funny because like they're trying to act like I'm trying to pull the wool over people's eyes by like sharing Thomas Sowell quotes and videos. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm just trying to celebrate Black History Month, yo. I'm just trying to celebrate. Thomas Sowell is not a real black. He's man. not a real black man because you know. Well, it's like that that Joe Biden quote. Yeah. You know, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. <laughs> is that what he said once? Did you know you didn't know he said that? No. Joe Biden once said, "If you don't vote for me, you ain't black." America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. This was before his confusion. (laughs) Speaking of his confusion, um, we've got uh, the mental fitness test that they gave to uh, Joe Biden. I'm kind of excited for this. They didn't give it to him. They gave it to Trump in 2018. And apparently he passed it with flying colors. And so I guess a lot of people want Biden to take it now. I mean, I really think some sort of competency evaluation is needed by a doctor in order for us to actually what's happening here so talk to us about the this you know a cognitive test stephanie what is a cognitive test i mean you're in the social work field i mean I probably mean, have you ever had to see you know have someone take this i mean when you were any all the time that you worked in the hospital did you have to do this no no i i don't really do cognitive tests other than like your simple like oh what day is it what's your name mm-hmm. what time is it who's the president so that's like very basic mm-hmm. um but this is the gold standard test for dementia it's the montreal cognitive assessment mm-hmm. It's a 10-minute test that was created in 1996 for medical professionals to identify mild cognitive dysfunction, a precursory sign of dementia. All right, so I think it would be a fun exercise for us to pass out the cognitive test to yeah. to the live stream viewers, and we'll all take it together. What do you guys say? You want to do it? Let's see if we have dementia. <laughs> and this all stems from the special counsel report that found that the uh, president is not fit to stand trial. One of the members of the House of Congress is demanding a release of the recordings of the Biden interview. Take a listen. Mr. Speaker, last Thursday, special counsel Robert Hur released a scathing report as part of a Department of Justice investigation into President Biden's mishandling of classified documents. Despite evidence of President Biden's willful retention and disclosure of classified documents to his biographer, Special Counsel Her report recommended that no criminal charges be brought against former president. He recommended that no criminal charges be brought forward against President Biden. This was in part because the special counsel determined that President Biden's memory had such, and I'm quoting, significant limitations that it would not be possible to convince a jury that President Biden held a mental state of willfulness that a serious felony requires. 
It's time for the White House to release the full recordings of President Biden's interview with the special counsel and for the American people to hear what was said in these meetings where the president was determined to be too incompetent to stand trial. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I yield. This is what I still just don't get. This Robert Her guy, he's a lawyer. So it's like, usually in court cases, there's some sort of psychologist or psychiatrist involved. So mm -hmm. that's why I'm super baffled by this whole verdict here. How can they make this decision without any type of mental health professional weighing in? So you know the backstory on this, right? Why the special counsel was investigating the president? Because he had put some files in his garage next to a dog cage. <laughs> yes. Yes. So President Joe Biden had these classified documents that he had in his house from his time in vice uh, as being a vice president mm -hmm. uh, and they found them and they were the reason why they had to investigate is because Trump got investigated for having classified documents at Mar-a-Lago. It's only fair. So it's only fair. So they investigate Joe Biden and they find these documents there and the special counsel sits down to research him to find out if he had done this intentionally, which would have been a felony. If so, right. they find that it was not a felony because it doesn't rise to the level of felony because he did not intend to have these documents there because he can't remember anything. But the problem is when he went and sat down for the special counsel report, and we don't have the audio, this is what this congressman is demanding, the audio from this. I think that would be nice to hear, but still, we probably have to do a whole other interview and ask official questions that would actually give us insight into how his brain is working. Right. So the kind of like test, a dementia test that the president would take is the one that I'm going to drop here in the chat yeah. and we can all look at together. What do you say? You guys want to take a mental health test? Yes. So it assesses concentration, attention, memory, language, calculations, orientation, executive functions, and visual skills. Right. The test is not a medical capability assessment, but a medical tool for screening cognition. I don't know what that really means, honestly. I mean, there's so many different tools that, that these mental health professionals use to mm -hmm. figure out competency. So I... Again, I'm not really well versed in this kind of stuff. Yeah, honestly, like I feel as if I would not pass this test. Just I know it's like an IQ test. Things like this, this is hard. Things like this confuse me. But uh, Donald Trump passed it with flying colors, so you know, people, he's not stupid. Apparently, well, I was reading some article that was saying because Donald Trump was talking about the test, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I remember, like you know, remembering this animal, this whale that I identified." And they're like, "There was not that animal on this test." So now they're saying Trump is remembering bring the test inaccurately. <laughs> what does that mean about his cognition? So it's, it's just, funny. I mean, honestly, I feel like, first of all, I'm like doing a million things at once just right now. So right, like, right, if, right. if I could sit, actually sit down and focus on this test, then I might be able to pass it. Well, but I can focus. Okay. So here's the thing. So here's the gold. This is what they call the gold standard dementia test. Some of these are drawing things. So it'll be. Yeah. So you'd have to, you'd have to like print it out and then draw it in order for us to really do it. But let's just go right. through the test and talk through it okay. and find out. So, um, so this is how the doctor performs the test and how a patient is graded. So the, the very bottom of the article, I know it actually yeah. goes through everything. That's what I've got yep. pulled okay, up, cool. right? but I've got the picture up on the screen. 
so that people can see what the the test would be Alter, alternating trail making so the patient is told to pair up five numbers and letters in ascending order pairing one with a two with b while, yes. while drawing connect the dots lines so noticing patterns right so the patient okay. gets a point for every successful pair one a two b three c uh, 4D, 5E. Okay, so I think I can do that. Yeah, it's uh, that's okay. yeah, that doesn't seem too hard. So we passed. All yeah, right, we could pass one yep. a and a. Let's go to the test. Here we go. One a, right? But then it's like it's it shows an arrow from a to two, which is confusing to me on this assessment. It was and I that's why when I was looking at it, I'm overanalyzing it. I think you have to notice patterns, and mm -hmm. so it's like one a. So then it's like okay, now we go to two. What do you go to next? So I'm like, two oh, B. I think it's B. Okay, and then so three. three. So it's C, like you have to, I think, recognize patterns D, in order to complete it. Five E. Okay, I got it. So we go okay. one A, two B, <laughs> three, four. <laughs> uh, oops. I think it's right. No. I'm not sure. It's the number, then the letter, then the number, then the letter. And that's okay. how it works. Okay. 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 So the next part of the cognitive test is uh visio visual construction skills, visual constructional skills, the cube. So you have to draw your own version of the cube. Oh my God, I'm so bad at drawing 3D objects. Uh, yeah. So your cognitive skills here are at the test. Uh, it says draw your own version of the cube in the space next to it. It must be exactly the same as the one on the that is printed on the page so this cube right here do you think could you draw this cube yes so I, so i'm drawing the cube you come up here you have this one square and then you have this square up here oh, i'm so bad like you have to have and artistic talent to do this here test. not really i mean like really it's just it's just a couple of extra lines that you have to do <laughs> it's just two squares and then the lines connect the squares it's, oh goodness it's simple enough i would think right so visual so you failed do you fail the cube test stephanie i mean if i had it right next to me trying it i could do it it would just probably look really silly mm -hmm. it would just look like a kid drew it number three on this test visual constructional skills clock so draw a clock putting in all the numbers and set the time to 10 minutes past 11 o'clock okay oh, do that you could do that 12 at the top six at the bottom one two three four five seven eight nine ten eleven and then set the time to 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. So where show us 10 minutes past 11, Stephanie. Oh, so Which the way people hour? are looking, are they looking at like a mirror image of me? Uh, um, no, oh. I don't oh, okay. think so. So, okay, on my clock, 11 o'clock is here. There's an 11 right here. Yes. So I put it just past there. You said 11.10? 11, it's 10 minutes past 11. Okay, so the... Oh, what is it? The small hand? The small hand the is small just hand past is the 11. Oh, God. Oh, God. See? <laughs> fail, fail, fail. You'll never the be president. Okay, the big hand. Okay, and I then do the think, small I do, hand. I do think that they should uh, They should give this test to people before they become president of the oh United States. God. See, what, like, you guys what this new generation, we're all into digital clocks. We don't, we don't need to look at real clocks anymore. It's just like with handwriting, mm -hmm. cursive. Nobody knows was that you know we got to start updating these tests it's from 1996 man this is this is outdated yeah i don't think yeah. so i don't think so you should probably know how oh, to clock, God. how to read the time uh, on a clock i honestly. think i need to go to an insane hospital <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> so anyways joe biden 
would probably not pass that test if he was asked. I mean, it really it's makes my you opinion. think, especially if you overthink about these things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, because here's the thing in that, in the, not the test, they didn't give him a cognitive test, but in the interview that they did with the president, that he, he is the one who brought up mm -hmm. his son, Bo dying and then saying that he couldn't remember what year they didn't ask him that question. Yeah. He brought up, his son dying yeah, and then said he couldn't remember when it happened. Right. Not even within like three years. Couldn't remember. And one of the biggest events in his life that, that shaped him as a person that he used to talk about when he was still lucid, Joe Biden is saying, bringing this up and then can't remember it. You know, I mean, thinking about deaths I've experienced, I haven't experienced anything like super, super traumatic other than pets, grandparents, great grandparents. Yeah. Um, but I definitely struggle to remember exact years or like exactly how old well, I was during because, certain times. That's because you haven't had that happen. So my mom died in 1997. Yeah. All right. And like, it, I would get that within like three years easily. Right. Within three years. Right. Sure. But it's like, I could definitely see where as time passes, you know, sometimes you got to calculate it again, you know, because a lot of times our memory, when traumatic things happen, sometimes we just, we do forget certain things because it was so traumatic. So that's normal. Like a lot of people who come to me with traumatic past, they honestly cannot remember a lot of it. David Lee's mad at us. He says, um, we have, uh, I'm teaching my six-year-old this right now. Stop messing him up. Sorry. Oh, about the clock. I guess. Oh goodness. <laughs> I swear the little hand is, is the hour. I swear. And no. the big hand. Oh, is wait, wait, wait. Minutes. Well, what, I swear. So that's, I know this. Okay. So when you say little hand, when I think little hand, I think the slender hand. So it's, it's the hand that's shorter. No, the, the, the long hand is the minutes. The short hand is the hours. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yes. The short, I was so when right. you say little, when you say little, oh. uh, it, like that's not the best, you know, a size comparison because, like, <laughs> when I when you when you say little, I think the little slender one, but when you think little, you're thinking the little short one. Yes, the short <laughs> one. Yeah, and the more chunky one, the chunky one is the is the minute. America yeah. is a nation that can be defined in a single word. See, look at that. I'm smart. <laughs> yes, you're very smart. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. I'm Austin Peterson. How are you doing? We're glad and thankful to have you here. Warlock00 says she's right. Yes, of course she is. She's, she's always You're just gaslighting me. She's always right. Goodness, I, I felt crazy for a moment. <laughs> I felt like I had dementia. Is this what Joe Biden feels like when yeah. everyone's telling him he's crazy? Yes. He's like, but, 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 but I thought I remembered it. <laughs> if you're just tuning into the show right now, we're glad and thankful to have you here. Do me a favor, will you? Will you click that like button and then click the subscribe button to the channel if you haven't already? We'd love to have you come back and join us here regularly on the show. You can send us a text at any time, uh, night or day at 573-319-1586. The text lines are always open. I love to read them anytime, Monday through Friday. Or the You can t text us anytime and uh, we'll be glad to have you. The text line is 573-319-1586. Again, one more time, 573 
319-1586. Jace Linkton sent me a white paper to read uh, talking about Disney. He's got a new podcast coming out about mm-hmm. it tomorrow, Free State. So, yeah, he's uh, he interviewed uh, this guy about this report, this white paper that he wants me to read, which I can't do on this. Disney versus Democracy is the name of the report. A public choice and good governance analysis of Florida's Reedy Creek improvement and its resulting regime. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Bitchmobile saying, I am wrong. What? I think there's more that we can do that could be fun. Like your memory. You have to like say certain words and then remember them. You're talking about the cognitive test? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next one is uh, naming. Name each animal. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the that's the one Trump was talking about. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I could name a whale real easy. And they're like, there isn't even this animal on your test. Well, he misremembered that. Okay. Exactly. So, can you see the pictures on the screen here, Stephanie, and name yep. them? Take a look. Should uh, I look over? Yeah, look over here at the screen. Oh, I let's can see. probably look at my phone. No, well, here yeah. it is. It's right here. It's pulled up. Can you just peek at it? Like, let's see. Well, okay. What is the first one? Is that a lion? Yes, that's a lion. I was Congratulations. Say a that is a lion. A, a rhinoceros. That's correct. That is a rhinoceros. What is the next one? A camel. Congratulations, Stephanie. <laughs> you know, sometimes with those animals, like if you had a puma or like a jaguar, like I might not get it. You know, like there's some animals that are very hard. A puma is a jaguar. Oh, goodness. Yeah. So it's like they just chose really easy animals. Yeah. No. Okay. Here's here's a tech test for you. Which uh which animal which animal is this? A bird. No. Or a butterfly. No. Napoleon dynamite. What is this? What? <laughs> well he did this. <laughs> try again, try again. All right, all right, all right. What let's try a different one. Okay. What uh which animal is this? A bunny? No. What, how, what other animal has ears and hops around? Uh, a lot of animals, Stephanie. A lot of animals have ears and hop around. What? <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, next one. Uh, I guess this animal, okay? Oh, oh a crocodile. No. An alligator. Mm-hmm. Well, goodness. Oh, that might actually be a hippopotamus. That's a hippopotamus. That's a hippopotamus. Very clearly a hippopotamus. Yes. Obviously. I was picturing hippop- the teeth. Like maybe your fingers could have been the teeth. Yeah, obviously a hippopotamus. Uh, Barney Styles says, I'm still confused. Is it time to go to work or not? Um, not just yet. Well, that's the other part of the test. What time is it? So, yes, as long as we all know what time it is, what day it is. All right. The, the doctor tells the patient on the next part of the test, we're doing a cognitive test this morning. Uh, and you can take it with us. It's a little early for a lot of people. Hope you're drinking coffee. The doctor tells the patient that they are going to read a list of words that the patient must remember. At the end, the patient has to tell them as many as they remember. It doesn't matter what order. Oh, at okay. the end of the test. Okay. Oh so my God. This is I'm going to list. A, I'm going to read you a list of words, Stephanie, and you are going to have to remember them by the time we get to the end of the test. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. Okay. Face, velvet, church, daisy, daisy. red. Oh my God. Church. Velvet, face, daisy, red. Okay. Okay. I'll remember a couple of those. So you have to remember church, velvet, daisy, face, red. Okay. 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 All right. So recite them now. Okay. I mean, I won't. I face uh, and then velvet and then church, daisy, red. Okay. There you go. Good. Yes. All right. So we'll come back to those at the end of the test and you'll have to recall them. Okay. See, for me, I make connections with things that I know in my environment. So I'm like, I have red hair. Okay. 
Uh, this week was Ash Wednesday the next part, Church. The next part of the test yeah. is to recall numbers. So I'm going to read you a list of five numbers, and then you have to just repeat them back to me. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Uh, at the end. Okay. Not after each one. Uh huh. Two, one, eight, five, four. Go. Two, one, eight, five, four. Correct. I think it's like some sort of proven thing where you can only remember so many numbers at a time. I think it's like, what, six numbers at a time? Mm hmm. Because your brain can only hold so much information. Now I'm going to give you the uh, cognitive test for uh, recalling numbers backwards. So I'm going to read to you three numbers, and you have to recite them to me backwards. Oh, my gosh. Ready? Ooh. Seven, four, two. Four, two. So two, four, seven. Congratulations. Thank God. Oh. <sighs> This is, this is making me sweaty. If you're just sitting in the Wake Up America show wondering what the hell is going on, we're giving Stephanie a cognitive test that Donald Trump took that we think Joe Biden should have to take because it appears as if he's suffering from early onset dementia, but it's not even that early. It's it's like no, like normal time. Yeah, I mean, at his recent so physical, Joe Biden, is he's refusing to take a test. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, Kim McCurry says she has pregnancy brain, not fair. Too bad. <laughs> Oh, she does? You do. Or I do. You do, yes. Well, you know, we were actually reading that the volume of your brain cells mm -hmm. decreases during pre pregnancy. I'm like, what the heck? I'm going to get stupid. Uh -huh. Okay. So the That's next part cool. of the, you ready for the next part of the test? Yeah. Okay. The next part of the cognitive test, you can do this with us at home, uh, is that I'm going to read a list of letters. Every time I say the letter A, you have to tap your hand. All right. So just go like this. Okay. Okay. Here we go. F. B, A, C, M, N, A, A, J, K, L, B, A, F, A, K, D, E, A, 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 J, M, O, F, A, A, B. Oh, some, of, some of those letters sound like A. Yes, they do. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, like J. For example, J sounds like you hear the A in the J. I mean, the thing about giving this to an old person, like maybe they can't hear very well. They'd be like, yeah. Yes. yes. Like, what are you saying? Yep. For just real quick, let's just reset. For those who are just tuning in, don't forget that the bonus content available to unlock today, we got to raise, I think, uh, 45 more dollars. Is it? Yeah, like, I think somebody sent a rant. I think uh, Quest sent five and then somebody sent two. So okay. that's $7. So all we have to do is raise 43 more dollars. So mm -hmm. if we raise 43 more dollars or if somebody goes and buys a, an Afuera hoodie, uh, example, in the shop yeah. by the end or of the show. Anything. You can buy some coffee. Buy you some can coffee buy a beer in the shop stein, at ap4libertyshop.com. case, like what I have. Mm -hmm. Yep. And a if, custom metal sign. You, and you definitely don't want to miss it because we want to complete the series of the most libertarian presidents. Yes. And you don't want it to go away because if at the end of the show, we haven't raised 
another 45 $43, then it goes away forever. And we never find out who was number five in the top most libertarian presidents. So if you'd like to unlock that bonus content, you want to get your rumble rant donations in quick because we've got only an hour and 20 minutes left in the show. Oh so the show's flying by. It, it really so is. Make a rumble rant donation Goodness. today and, and like real quick so that we can get that content unlocked. Okay. Okay. It is. Cool. Next part of the uh, cognitive test that we're taking this morning. Uh So it's a math test. Here we go. The patient starts at 100, then must count down by subtracting seven every time until the examiner tells them to stop. Okay. Oh my God. So you're going to have to start at 100 and then count down by subtracting seven every time. Do you understand? (sighs) Yes. Okay. It's going to be slow. So for example, the number 93. Yes, yes, that's the first number after okay. 100. Okay. Now the next one is hard. What is the next number? 91, 90, 89, 88, 87, 86. Okay, 86. Correct, Stephanie. <laughs> All right. So, the hand counter. <laughs> okay, subtract another 7. 5, 8, 4, 8, 3, 2, 8, 1, 80, 79, 79. Correct, Stephanie. <laughs> are gonna see i'm real stupid i'm very dependent on a calculator all right continue counting down by oh, seven goodness. okay after 79, 79 minus seven i know that is 72 that is good correct that's an 72. easy one it's those ones where you go past the you know the nancy solorio just donated ten dollars thanks nancy oh, because of my capabilities <laughs> yes and she did a little funny little nerd glasses uh, uh, emoji. What's Thank up, you. What's up, uh, Real Hunter Human? Nice to see you guys here. We're doing a cognitive test this morning, the type that Donald Trump took. Yeah, specifically, it's the gold standard test for dementia, the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to determine if we could pass the cognitive test. Oh, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. So you did it perfectly. Nice job. Thank you. I mean, okay. it was a struggle. I wonder if they would let you count on your finger. I'm sure they sure. do it from it's, cogn- it's about cognition. Okay. If you can, if you can get the numbers okay. right, you can get the numbers right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now here's sentence repetition is the next part of this test. Okay? okay. The examiner reads the sentence and the patient has to repeat it exactly. Okay. So okay. I'm going to read the sentence uh, and you are going to just repeat it back to me. Ready? Okay. Uh-huh. Here we go. I only know that John is the one to help today. I only know that John is the one to help today. Congratulations, Stephanie. Oh, oh man. Arnie Styles had his first cup of painkiller coffee yesterday. That's a great cup of yeah. Joe. Thank you. Oh, so. You actually have that in your cup today. Yeah, that's what I I'm I put drinking. that in your thermos. It's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Thomas's painkiller. Although the Madisonian morning is starting to like come up on me. I love that uh, yeah. the Madisonian morning is our, our newest, newest one. Our newest flavor. It's got five star review from me. So if you haven't tried Madisonian morning yet, make sure you visit APforLibertyShop.com. If you want to help unlock the bonus content today, go buy a couple of boxes of coffee right now. Go get go grab a couple of boxes of coffee and that'll go ahead. You'll get coffee and you'll unlock the bonus content. And I'm sure everybody mm-hmm. else will be glad you did. Two Thank birds you. with one stone. That's right. All right. Here's the next sentence. You have to read it back to me. Okay. This is the cognitive test. The cat always hid under the couch when dogs were in the room. The cat always hid under the couch when dogs were in the room. Okay. That makes sense. Easy. Usually they do that. They do. Mm -hmm. Next part of the cognitive test is verbal fluency. The doctor reads out the letter F. 
uh, and a letter, and the patient has to think of words that start with that letter. The aim is to reach 11 words or more in 60 seconds. Oh okay, my God, go. this is hard. I'm going to give you a clock. Oh, the clock with a little hand. With a letter F, yes. Oh boy. With a little hand. Uh, and we're going to do a timer, stopwatch, okay? Uh, so the letter F, oh. okay, right? And you're going to do, a, the words cannot be proper nouns like Bob or Boston, you know, oh, it can't be no. names. Okay. They have to be, uh, the words cannot be the same sounding word, uh, but with different suffixes like love, lover, and love it. How many words do I have to say? Just At least however 11. many. At oh least my 11. God. 11? 60 seconds. Okay. <laughs> okay. All okay. right. I'm going to count it. Ready? Oh. And go. Fook. Uh, food. <laughs> fun. <laughs> friends. Factory. Mm -hmm. um, fries. French. Um, fragile, freedom, um, figure, finance. Oh, that's 11. No, one more. Oh, shoot. Uh, yeah, 30 seconds. Um, I want to say Figaro, but that's a proper that's noun. Proper noun. Fiddle. Fiddle. Oh, oh, that's hard. The very first word that comes to mind is a swear word. Isn't in the house of Rumba Run. Hills the like house that rises. So. These things. You did it. And you did it in 40, like 40 seconds. So congratulations, Stephanie. You passed that part of the cognitive test. It's a scary one. Mm -hmm. That was really a scary one. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. You passed that one. Now, it's just like, a, what was it? Come up with um, multiple country names that start with the letter F. There's like none except and, Finland. And Drippy Nomad is quoting Joe Biden saying, come on, man. Yes. Look at her. She looks like she's 19 years old sitting there with her, like a little lady with her legs crossed. Oh, I do have my legs crossed. Oh. <laughs> Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up America show. Justin Peterson joining us here in 15 minutes. Oh, Wait. my goodness. Oh, he would pass this test with flying colors. Yeah, he's brilliant. He's so smart. Yes, he is. Uh, we're going to talk to him a little bit about a new one-man play that's in the works uh, about Thomas Sowell, which should be interesting. We'll talk to him about that, as well as the Kansas City Chiefs parade shooting. Our sister Jody and nephew Mario was there at the event a couple of days ago. We're going to talk about that and the implications of such. Uh, and we'll have a really good time just chatting it up with JP here in about 15 minutes. Don't forget to get those donations. And if you want to unlock the bonus content today, which is most libertarian presidents in U.S. history. And I think we found out what next week's theme is going to be. Um, but so far, all of them have been unlocked. Uh, we're waiting to unlock today. So Nancy donated 10 bucks, and we had Quest donate 5 and Megatron donated 2 So we're $17, which means that we only need, what, $32 more until... Is that... Is I it, can take only your count with test. sevens. What's, um, what's 50 minus 17? Oh, goodness. Oh, my God. So 27, 37, 47. Mm -hmm. So that means it would be 33, right? That mean, that's exactly what that means. Except, oh, that's hard. Except now you've got to do some more math because oh, no. we just sold another box of Madisonian Mortar. Oh, my gosh. Okay. That's, that's what? 27 minus 23. <laughs> so 23 plus 17 is 23 what? 23 plus that's 17. 40. Wait, 17 plus 23, 2, 3. So 30. Uh, is that? No, no, 40. That's 47. Yes. 40. So. Shoot, now you guys. We've, we've only got to. We won't, thank you, by the way, Rose. We've only got to. Uh, we've only got to raise $10 more by the end of the show, and then they'll unlock the bonus content. Thank you, guys. Yeah, grab a box of coffee.
get a free coffee. They literally get listen coffee to and then, you. That's kind of scary. I know. It's awesome. Wow. That's great. That's what it's supposed to do. We're, we're like a regular TV show if, like, you know, TV shows were honest and li- about liberty and politics and fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of people at home are taking this test right now. They're I'm probably missing sure their family are members. You guys, here's the thing. Is there anybody out there who's actually taking the test with us this morning? I would be curious if any of you are actually, like, doing it with us. We're taking this cognitive games. test. It's yeah. Fun. Yeah, I do too. It's way fun. So um, all we got to do is raise ten more dollars by the end of the show, or sell another box of coffee, or a T-shirt, or whatever, uh, and we'll unlock the bonus content for the end of the day. Which I think we're gonna, we'll probably get yeah. there. We hope. Okay. Uh, we also have a sale. Belated, if you use the code Belated Valentine, you can buy any of our jewelry items in our collection. And don't we also have a sale going on with our Gadsden merchandise too? I don't know when that ended. Um, I think it's it might still, going still be on. going on. So if you use the code Gadsden Flag, you can get any of our Don't Tread on Me merchandise as well. Yeah, and it's like ten percent off all of our Gadsden. So ten percent off for jewelry, ten percent off for uh, Gadsden. Merch. There you go. Use the code Gadsden flag over there and at ap4libertyshop.com uh, and you'll save 10% that. There we go. Um, Mo Conservatarian says Steffi should be administering the test to AP. I, I don't know. You're struggling. <laughs> yeah, uh, we both are struggling. Yep. Somniferum says this all seems really basic and that should bring home just how much of a cognitive deficit our president has. This is basic? Yeah. I'm sorry. Levin214 <laughs> says he is doing it. So we do at least have one person who's doing it with us okay let's continue on we're almost done uh verbal fluency oh we already did that abstraction so the patient has to describe what the relationship is between certain words like an orange and a banana a train and a bicycle fruits they're automobiles okay Okay, here so here is the here is the practice trial orange and banana fruit correct now we're doing it for real okay train and bicycle modes of transportation watch and ruler measurement yes yes measurement you nailed it thank you thank you um delayed recall so the patient has to recall all the words that they heard earlier stephanie here we go are you ready face yes velvet yes church yes daisy yes red you got all of them thank you thank you I have a good memory. Yeah, you do. You wouldn't believe all the things I remember about Austin from all the years I've known him. Oh, yes, he does. Single live stream video. I like pick out different facts he used to share. For sure. We've got got cause to celebrate and say thank you. Tony Martinez. What's up, Tony? He just made a $10 donation, which means that we've just crossed the finish line. Did we? Which means that, yep, that means that we've got uh, the bonus content has been unlocked. I've been so grateful to everybody for participating. My buddy Casey, who listens in from Montana, you know, Mm -hmm. Casey Holland. He messaged me the other day, and I got. I, I want to read the text message just because it made me laugh so hard. He was talking about the bonus content. Yeah. What did he say? Um, <clears throat> Adam Schwadron, Tony Lavosco. These are all my text messages. Scott Fawn. JD Tuchilli. Popular dude. Bob, Senator Bob I Onder. I like get no DMs, uh, nobody, which is nice. I don't like to getting, get DMs. Better not be getting any DMs. No. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say about it. Uh-uh. Uh, hold on. Let's see. Casey. Uh, there he is. I read somewhere. Somebody said whenever someone DMs her, she just sends them a link to buy her merchandise. I think that would be a great idea. Like any unsolicited messages that I get in the future, I'm just going to be like, 
Go visit APforLibertyShop.com. Thanks. Yes. Here's what here's what he said. He said, dude, your little $50 a day pledge drive thing. At first, I thought it was effing hysterical and kind of ridiculous, but it's working, isn't it? F, yes. F, yeah. You got to save up for college for that goddamn kid. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> love surprises and they, they hate having a mystery that that's unknown to for them. sure. I need to find out. Exactly. So now you're going to find out. I'm going to prep the bonus content for you. We're going to go get my brother, Justin Peterson. So enjoy the bonus content. Find out now who was the fifth most libertarian president. Who do you think it is? Who do you think it is? Can you take a guess? Someone Any guessed guesses? it yesterday, Somebody I think. Said Woodrow Wilson, but that's obviously wrong. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I will share that with you. I'll go to a brief commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Justin Peterson and the new play about Thomas Sowell. When the Wake Up America Show returns at wakeupamericashow.com. Tyler may have been one of our most libertarian presidents. John Tyler, America's 10th president, is a top candidate for the title of the most unpopular president in U.S. history. Despite his belief that pursuing popularity was futile, his independent actions only isolated him further. Tyler alienated both political friends and foes alike leading to his estrangement from the Democratic Party and eventual nomination as vice president on the Whig ticket. His presidency began unexpectedly after President Harrison's death, a transition that was controversial and dubbed his accidency. Asserting his authority, Tyler refused to be merely an interim president or to blindly follow his predecessor's policies, such as re-establishing a national bank and protective tariffs. This stance quickly set him at odds with his cabinet and the Whig party. His presidency faced severe opposition, culminating in an effigy being hanged and burned on the White House porch after he vetoed key bills. This led to a mass resignation of his cabinet, orchestrated by Senator Henry Clay, and Tyler's expulsion from the Whig party. An impeachment resolution accused him of abuse of constitutional power, highlighting his deep unpopularity. Despite this, the impeachment process was not pursued further, leaving Tyler as a president without a party. Tragedy also struck Tyler personally and politically with the death of his wife and a fatal accident aboard the USS Princeton, which claimed the lives of members of his cabinet and personal staff. On his last day, Congress passed the first override of a presidential veto, a symbolic final rebuke. Tyler then retired to his Virginia plantation, renaming it Sherwood Forest, embracing his outsider status. In his post-presidency, Tyler opposed restrictions on slavery expansion and supported the Confederacy during the Civil War, further tarnishing his legacy in the eyes of the Union. Tyler died in 1862, receiving honors in the Confederate capital, but silence and indifference in the Union, indicating his complete political and social ostracization. Historians and past presidents, including Harry Truman and Theodore Roosevelt, have criticized Tyler severely, highlighting his lack of significant contributions to mediocrity. Despite his low rankings among U.S. presidents, Tyler's foreign policy achievements and the establishment of the Tyler precedent for presidential succession are notable aspects of his legacy. Tyler's presidency, marked by controversy, opposition, and personal tragedy, exemplifies how political isolation and unpopular decisions can lead to a tarnished reputation that endures through history. Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad and thankful to have you here. Thanks, Joni. She just got a Wake Up America Show hat. 
for Joni? Yeah, Joni did. Yeah, she got a Wake Up America show hat, a light Aww. pink one, very cute. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you for buying that. Yeah, Please we appreciate take pictures. that. Yeah, take pictures when you get it, Joni. We'd love to see a picture of you with it. And thanks to everybody for supporting the show and unlocking that bonus content. We appreciate people like Mighty Megatron and Quest Fanning and Tony Martinez and Nancy Solorio. You all are helping us to build a bright new future, not only for our own, uh, not only for our show, but for our family. With Stephanie Peterson, my smoking hot red-headed libertarian wifey, starting to show the baby bump. Hello. Show us the baby bump one more time, Steffi. Nope. Let's see the baby bump. Can we Let's see the baby see. bump? You gotta stick it out, really, to see the baby bump. Actually, I think my baby bump might be a little bigger. <laughs> there it is. Somebody was on Twitter the other day, so he's saying, like, where is this baby bump? She looks too skinny. Austin feed needs her to ice feed cream. her ice cream and all that kind of stuff. So I was just like, I do like ice cream a lot. Yes, and we need to get you some mint chocolate chip. Maybe we will yes. today. Like, I may look small now, but where I started, my, my stomach was very flat. So I, I've always had a very nice tight tummy. It is. So I've actually been enjoying the largening and the engor <laughs> the engorgening that's been going on, honestly. Yes, which I always say, men are attracted to average sized women. They don't like super skinny and they don't like super muscular. They like a little more to love. Yeah, keep telling yourself that. They My really brother, do. Justin Peterson, yeah. joins us live he from Boston right now. That knows about what men want. Yeah, I'm sure he does. That's right. Uh, yeah, big gay Justin. Hey, Justin, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's up from Boston? I I have no dog in that fight. Okay, yeah. there's no We're dog We're watching in that a great fight. Seinfeld episode yesterday. Which one? Um, the one where um, Elaine went out with a gay guy and she was trying to turn him straight. Yeah, she was like trying to convert him to the other team. She was like, no. it's not good at working with his his stuff whatever whatever oh, it's, it's, oh yeah she, his equipment so he has to have it every day but yes. she can only practice on it every once in a while exactly so that's yeah it's <laughs> no but that's probably not the reason why but uh <laughs> anyways justin hi hi good morning happy friday good morning happy friday justin and we're glad to have you here we brought you on here to talk about a couple of of news stories we're going to talk about the the one-man play that actor Clifton Duncan is looking to launch with his very successful fundraiser to talk about Thomas Sowell. We'll get to that in a couple minutes, but obviously there's a huge story that we are intimately connected to. Our home city of Kansas City experienced a tragedy the other day when a shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Parade broke out involving 22 people being shot, 10 of them children, one who was killed, a Kansas City DJ, a Hispanic woman, who was killed right in front of her children. Her One of her children was also shot, mm. uh, but is reportedly in critical condition, but uh, is likely to survive, at least from the latest information that we have. Our sister, yours and mine, and our nephew uh, were uh, at that event. Justin, your thoughts on this tragedy in Kansas City? Oh, it's, well, I mean, what can you say? I mean, really, it's terrible. And I talked to Jody last night, we FaceTimed a little bit. And, you know, the thing that's hard about it is that all of those places that we go to at Christmas time, and, you know, we go to Union Station, and those are all part of our happy memories. It's like, yeah. to have them be tainted by violence. I mean, you know, you're talking to somebody who lived through the Boston bombing, right? So I lived through well, you that were whole there. situation. Uh, it wasn't like there, there but the it was marathon? obviously in my town, and oh. you know it was traumatic for Boston. They chased, to deal they with chased the killers into his, the Zarnay brothers, into his, yeah. into his community. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Wow. They were in Watertown, which is where I live. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, yeah. It's just it brings home this sense of insecurity and uh, uh, 
I just was like, it's like you're having flashbacks of like, you know, I told my Jody, I said, you know, it's like the Boston bombing. I said, just imagine like if there'd been bombs or pipe bombs or something. But, you know, you, there were some really interesting points raised yesterday about, you know, that there were 800 cops there and yeah. who took, you know, who tackled the bad guys, but citizens, right? It was the citizens coming to do the, the work. So, yeah. And I, cause uh, you know, there's always that argument, well, take away all the guns and I'm like, well, okay, let's take away all the guns. And then only the cops have the guns. And so the citizens are still going to, you know what I mean? It's like the citizens are going to be still the ones doing the effort. So it's, it's, um, yeah, yeah it's a real trap. It is a trash. Jody's shaking up. I mean, you know, oh, she yeah. see the, those kids dying and she's there with Mario. She says that she thinks she probably wouldn't go to something like that again. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, well, and that's the whole, isn't that sort of the, I, I, it's like exactly what I said to Jody last night. I said, what ends up happening is you, what, you have a culture where no one goes anywhere. People just don't gather in public spaces anymore. People don't go to malls. People don't go to cinemas. It's like, it's because everyone's so demoralized and frightened. Uh, I, I mean, I've seen people in the chat, on the Rumble chat, talking about how they don't go to very populated places anymore. And honestly, for me personally, after 9-11, I mean, it scared me up being on an airplane, hearing mm -hmm. about all of those like movie theater shootings. I literally used to be in the movie theater checking all of the exits constantly, barely oh, yeah. able to focus on the movie because oh, yeah, I would just be paranoid. Yeah. 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 So it affects and, uh, me for sure. I, I'm always on the lookout for these things. Well, and, you know, I, I was never even comfortable in like 42nd Street in New York City when I lived there for a while. You know, I, it was just too many people. I was like, I, there's just too many people here and I need to, <laughs> I need to go down downtown or something where there's not as many people because it's, it's, uh, I just don't mm -hmm. like crowds. You know, I just, it, it, and, and as we saw, you know, something happens and there's mass panic and then people can also get injured just in the in the melee of escaping. Right. People right. Can like get at Walmart on Black Friday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's true. I mean, you know, it's just I don't being in a crowd is, you know, is just to me not my idea of a good time. You know, I have to mm -hmm. say I don't want to allow fear to control me, to control my actions or my behaviors. But I know that a healthy sense of fear, uh, there is a, a difference between an unhealthy sense of fear and, an, and a healthy sense of fear. Um, you know, I typically am the type of person to carry a firearm with me, maybe two. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't, I guess I've always been a bit of a paranoid person to some extent, right? And I think that there's, you can have like a healthy sense of paranoia and an unhealthy sense of paranoia. So when I see things like this, it happen that happens, it, you know, makes me want to carry more, right? To be, yeah. be a little bit more vigilant about ensuring that I, that I am prepared because now that like, there's a little baby growing in the belly over there, you know, just a few feet away from me. I, I like my, I think there's something chemically that's happening to my body. That's like making me even more protective of this, of mm -hmm. the little one over here. And you know, we had this conversation uh, recently with some uh, with some um, acquaintances of ours about like having guns in the house with kids, right? And like, what is proper, legitimate way to handle that? I mean, Justin, when you and I were growing up, I mean, there are guns everywhere at the farmhouse, mm -hmm. right? Like literally everywhere. We, what was it? We were at Christmas time, and somebody like kicked over a table, and the gun the gun fell off the table. Recently, yeah, or yeah, gun like fell on the uh, floor yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I, prob I probably shouldn't say this on on a, a live stream, but like, yeah, I mean, it was sort of like I can remember at one time. I think and maybe it's still there. I don't know, but there's literally a rifle in the kitchen, <laughs> just like sitting there. Yeah. 
Remember? But we didn't touch him. We didn't touch him. No, no. Why no. do you think that was? Because like there's this, you get Stephanie and I have these conversations about like having guns around the house locked up because you know the, our acquaintances said to us, well, we would all we always keep our guns locked up. We always keep them in a safe yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, what are you gonna do when somebody breaks in? Like, Excuse me, just wait right. for a second. Let me get the combination through right, here yeah, first yeah. before we do right. it and stuff like this. Yeah, but I mean, like we, I think it was because of the way that we were raised not to be afraid of guns and that they were ubiquitous, that it was like normal versus the probably these juveniles who saw it as cool and exciting and fun and they didn't have a dad like ours to teach us how to handle them safely and how to respect a firearm. It's probably dates back, it's probably the father that's the problem, not the firearm. Don't you agree? I think it's cultural rot and yes. at the end of the day. It's cultural rot and it's a, it's a sign of a degrading culture at the end of the day. When you have mass violence like this, it's just a sign of something is significantly wrong in a culture. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, this didn't I happen. To, I used to work in the inner city in Detroit at a hospital, and it's like I would see stabbings and shootings all the time. And it was just like a rite of passage for these people. You know, they were so desensitized to it. They're just like, yeah, this happens. You know, when you see it day in, day out, it starts to not affect yeah. you. Yeah, you're violent, violent black subculture in the United States is a frequent topic brought up by esteemed economist Thomas Sowell. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, he makes a lot of enemies on the left for suggesting that even during slavery times, that when families would be frequently ripped apart, fathers, black fathers made every, uh, made every effort to remain with their family units and to try and maintain a semblance of a nuclear family, even during times when they had no control over who, who they were with or where they were at, black fathers tried to maintain a, a parental role over their children. All the way up until the 1950s and 60s, black fathers stayed in the home, raised their children, built communities, healthy communities, and raised healthy families. Something changed in the 1960s and 70s, Justin, and now we have an epidemic of fatherlessness, not that it doesn't happen in majority, majority communities here in the United States, it certainly does, but a disproportionate amount of crimes are committed by the violent black subculture in this country, as noted by esteemed economist and professor Thomas Sowell. What happened? I'll tell you, well, here's the, I'm gonna connect some dots here. The wonderful book that Thomas Sowell wrote called White Liberals, Black Rednecks, I recommend that everybody read that uh, because it is an amazing eye-opening book. But one of the things that Sowell argues in the book is that the enslaved blacks in the South had no culture, right? Because they were taken away from Africa and they were brought to the United States. So they didn't have, you know, the, the sort of cultural richness uh, that uh, the surrounding community did. And unfortunately, the proximity of these enslaved blacks, uh, they were more, most proximate to cracker, white, poor, trash, whites, who came from the British Isles. So these, these British Isles uh, people came over from, they immigrated from there, and these people were contentious, shiftless, didn't work, lazy, uh, would get into fights very easily, uh, and the black uh, enslaved people were around that. And so they saw that and they sort of adopted much of that cultural, um, what, behavior. And so they, that's a Southern, that's a Southern 
poor white trash culture that became uh, assimilated. That's what they assimilated into. And so they sort of, and that all of what we see is sort of a, a vestige. And that's what Soul argues in his book is that it's a vestigial sort of remnant of that poor white trash cracker culture from the South. It, and it's, it's a really compelling argument, even in terms of the language. So we think about ebonics, right? We, talk, we used to talk about ebonics back in the day. We don't talk about it much anymore. But even uh, affectations of speech, like I'm going to ask you a question, that's actually British. Like that is an actually, there was a lot of British aphorisms and grammar that were taken on by the, the enslaved blacks and, and came into the culture. So, um, but Soul's work is, you know, it's, it's a staggering, he has, he's an amazing author. But he really connects those dots. And then of course in the 60s when you have welfare situations happening, what he argues in his, his work is about incentive, right? That there isn't an incentive to stay and pro financially provide for a family if the government will do it. So, um, you know, that's part of the problem. But like you said, it's right. In the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, there were none of these uh, familial issues in the, in yeah. the black community. 25% of black kids were born out of wedlock in 1965. It's around 80% now. I mean, oh, wow. the, the complete and total destruction uh, of, of the black family. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the, another, another great book uh, about this that talks about uh, black subcultures and white subcultures in the United States is The Renegade History of the United States. Oh, my God. Back. Great book. Uh, I recommend it for everybody by so uh, the mm -hmm. Thaddeus Russell. Thaddeus yes. Russell. Yes. Thaddeus Russell. And, and uh, you, you know, there's the stereotype, but I mean, if you know the fighting Irish, right, what you were talking mm -hmm. about, like those poor white trash subcultures, the reason why they're the fighting Irish is because they were contentious. They were right. they were violent. They were a subculture yeah. in the United States that everybody knew that no Irish need apply because they would come into your factory and they would start pick fights oh, yeah. and and they were problems, right? They were and they were they were they were even seen in some ways as lower, the lesser than blacks in the early 1900s, right? Until 100%. until something changed. Until the Irish began to assimilate themselves into mainstream culture by taking positions of influence in the military, in the police, that's right. Uh, running for office, right? And you know, there's a good movie, Gangs of New York, that like you know, uh, you, I don't know if you you watched it with me. Have you seen that movie, yeah. The Gangs of New York? Is, I think it's long, a long time ago. Long film time ago. They, Sounds familiar. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio is in it, right? Um, and they, you know, it's the warring it. gangs of of New York City. There were uh -huh. you know riots actually, and things like that. Go ahead, you hit Justin. the nail on the head there that about the Irish becoming police officers because that's why they call it a paddy wagon. I mean, that's the whole reason yes. that they call it a yes. paddy wagon is because most, they're Irish. And like most of American slang, U.S. slang, and he goes through this in the book, Renegade History, most of the Irish slang, the slang that we have is Irish slang, right? Yeah. So like, you know, like jigger and like, uh, you know, like uh, jerry, jerry, jerry rig, things like that. Like oh. like a lot of the of the slang that Americans use are Irish words. That's funny. Yeah, that you wouldn't know unless you had read Thaddeus Russell's uh -huh. Renegade History of the United States. And yeah. it got him it got him blacklisted from academia that yeah. writing that book because yeah. of some of the conclusions that he yes. drew. The the yes. most shocking conclusion that he drew to me is why segregation ended was because it was affecting the businesses. And so the businesses were like, we're losing money. We need to we yeah. need to try to push to integrate people. I yes. was like, what? Are you kidding me? It wasn't to make people equal. It was because they were losing money at their businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money yeah. speaks. Absolutely. Crazy. Um, Renegade history of the United States. This provocative perspective on America's history claims the country's personality was defined not by the ideals of elites and intellectuals, 
but those who who throughout have lived on the fringes of society slaves immigrants gangsters prostitutes prostitutes and those who challenge the conventions of the day he says it was the immoral and degraded people on the fringes of society who subversive lifestyles legitimized the taboo and made america the land of the free and I just love how the book starts because it tells the story about how John Adams is walking down the street of Philadelphia and he is so despi- disgusted by every other house in Philadelphia had a distillery or a brewery in it. Yes. And he was sick and tired of these oh, yeah. drunken louts, fellow yeah. Americans drinking so much that they had to track oh, yeah. No, I don't think John John Adams may have been a teetotaler, but some of the other some of the other founders were definitely not right. Drinking was everywhere in the colonies. I mean, yeah. in fact, when you look at the Boston Massacre, right, that occurred here in the 1700s. Those that occurred because dudes were in the bar and they were all drunk and got pissed off and ran out into the street. They were American, like American colonies. People were drunk all the time. They'd work on their furniture. They'd be in their stores having a you know two o'clock would come and they'd start drinking. I mean, it, you know, they were drinking and, and what's amazing to me, but there were, I think, oh gosh, was it 60% of the bars in Boston in the time of the, of the American revolution, 60% of the bars were owned by women, oh. but those women were also madams, right? So they were also, you know, ladies of the night, if you well, will, sex but workers. it was also these bars, these self-same bars were the, were the sole location where all of the races could mix. Yeah. So there was no segregation in these bars. There would be, you know, whites would dance with blacks and Indians, uh, you know, Native Americans would come in and it would be a whole, you know, melange of culture, but it was countercultural, right? It was against what the elites were doing. The elites didn't want the cultures to mix, right? The elites didn't want the blacks and the whites to get along and like hang out and drink beer and, and like talk to each other. There was always a vested interest, you know, to keep us all in each other's throats. So it's an incredible, my favorite thing about, well, among many, is the history of like the whole gay rights movement and, and how it kind of was like started with the pirates. <laughs> like really? all of these pirates. Oh my God, oh. all the gay pirates, man. Like the gay pirates, like you know. Well, they yeah, they love, they love the booty, but uh-huh. it wasn't that booty. They was just because, you know, you get lonely when you're at sea and there are no women on board because it was bad luck to bring a woman on board a ship. Oh, yeah. Oh, you could never bring a woman on a ship. Forget it. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah. Did they do it out of necessity? What have to have a what? Like be with other men out of necessity, what, or they, because they really they, were attracted to they, them? Well, I mean, it probably is a little of both. Oh, it's yeah. like prison, you know. But I mean, just the, like the, the, the licentiousness of their lifestyle, and like they didn't care about social norms, right? Mm-hmm. They were on the high seas, man. They were just gonna do yeah. whatever they wanted to they're, do. There, there, there be a wet hole. We want to raid the booty tonight, boys. Oh my gosh! Uh, I asked, uh, I asked ChatGPT for some examples of Irish slang that made its way into our um, uh, colloquial expressions. One is uh, "boyo," so the yep. word bo- "boy" uh, derived from the Irish word "boyachill," meaning boy or young man. Ah smithereens oh yeah that one which means little bits right it used to be smidrini um slew so a slew s-l-e-w slew meaning a large crowd oh that's okay yeah hooligan oh yes yes crazy people yep and uh derives from the surname hulahan uh-huh right and then brogue the irish brogue it's a type of shoe galore 
galore is that irish galore. phrase uh goleor meaning like you have this galore like yes. like a lot of plenty yes, or enough yes, yes. yes. indicate abundance uh-huh leprechaun which is kind of obvious yeah right and then shanty oh yeah yes, oh. yes. shenanigans uh, yes yes kibosh oh, good oh kibosh interesting yes kibosh. put the kibosh on yeah. it yes but if you get the uh, copy of the book um renegade history of the united states then he has like three pages devoted to all of these Irish slang words oh. that we did. But, you know, back to the, the main topic here, like, yeah. you know, subcultures, violent subcultures in the United States, it, the, the Irish assimilated into mainstream society, built families, you know, uh, established themselves as heroes in war. Um, African-Americans, as a matter of fact, like they had during World War II, there was this brief period from the 1940s to the 1960s where African Americans, because the, the army, it was Woodrow Wilson who resegregated the army, the racist mm. Democrat lunatic who played the KKK film, um, what was it? Birth of uh, a Nation. Birth of a Nation. Oh, he, yes. I remember that. Movie. Woodrow Wilson screened that film in the White House. He says, if any blacks have made the mistake of voting for me, they ought to go back and correct it. But it was, you know, uh, uh, Eisenhower uh, and FDR who reintegrated the military. But it was the heroic actions of the Tuskegee Airmen uh, and of the, uh, I think it's the, what was the, the Black Ball Express or the Red Ball Express that was the uh, supply lines that brought the supplies to the troops at the front during World War II that started to ingratiate blacks into American culture and society. And, the, and during the 1940s and the 50s, there was this brief Renaissance period where black families and black subculture was building it up. What, wasn't there a black Wall Street for a short time in Oklahoma? Yes, that's but, right. that's right. and, and, which unfortunately got burned down to the ground. Mm. But, uh, but then the 1960s, the 1970s hit, Lyndon Baines Johnson says, I'll have those N-words voting Democrat forever. Uh, and the Great Society and LBJ brings the chains, the metaphorical chains back and puts, mm -hmm. them back, puts them back in their place, destroys their family, breaks them apart, uh, and we now have what we have today, which is a culture that is alien to, you know, uniquely American now in its, in its, in its ways and its, you know, in its music and its subculture, but also uniquely violent uh, in, mm -hmm. in, it, in a way. And unfortunately, the consequences of that are what we, what we saw at the Chiefs Parade the other day. Right. And I think that's why we need people like Thomas Sowell because we need to have a antidote to the option of, you know, violence and, you know, um, aimlessness, you know, and uh, this project, I don't, I don't know if you want to switch over, but this project that Clifton Duncan yeah. is doing, mm -hmm. uh, Clifton Duncan is a New York actor. He, he trained at NYU Tisch, which is a really prestigious uh, acting school, acting program. Mm -hmm. And he, I now I'm going to sort of try to remember this from memory, but he, didn't want to get the shot when the COVID hysteria sort of started. And unfortunately, he lost his career because at that was that time where everybody was having to get the shot and he didn't want to do it. Uh, and he saw more and more of the sort of authoritarian leanings of the theater community in New York City and saw how willing they were to kind of roll over and die on the, and just be like, okay, well, we'll just close the theaters and we'll just kind of give up our livelihoods and we'll just destroy our careers, you know. And he was like, what are, you, what are we doing? Like, what is going on here? So he was sort of the lone wolf in the wilderness kind of crying out and saying, uh, what's, what's happening here? And of course, you know, then he couldn't get jobs. He couldn't get booked for things. Uh, he's probably one of the most, he's so incredibly talented, right? He's an incredible actor. He's an incredible singer. 
Um, and you know, I sort of been following him for a couple of years and I've actually had some meetings with him. I've talked to him a little bit and he's, an, he's so brilliant. He's a brilliant guy. And recently he started this project now where he's going to make a play, wants to do a one man play about Thomas Sowell. And there's sort of historical precedence here because in the 1970s, James Earl Jones made a play about Paul Robeson, who was a, sort of an athlete, a singer, an actor, kind of man of, about town, he kind of did everything really, uh, also a communist. Uh, but then there was in the, uh, Lawrence Fishburne did the same thing with uh, Thurgood Marshall. He made a play about Thurgood Marshall. And so now uh, Clifton is trying to make a play about Thomas Sowell. And he started the campaign, I want to say this past week. It's only been maybe less than a week that it's been open. He set a goal for $10,000 uh, for this project. And now he's exceeded that by 640%. He's now over, I just checked this morning, $67,000. Oh my gosh. People are putting into it. I'm like, that's somebody's, that's somebody's salary for a year, you know? Great. Um, and the thing that we've talked about, Austin, before on your show, which I think is so important, is that for a long time, conservatives, I'm not a conservative, but conservatives in their culture have not valued the arts and they have not valued culture. And that has been to their detriment because you cannot affect how people think about things, how they you know, go about, because politics is downstream of culture. And the great sin to me has been that the Republicans or let's say just conservative minds, minded people in general have sort of walked away. They sort of like washed their hands of it and walked away. Well, and that's why we're in the mess that we're in. Because mm -hmm. they sort of didn't stay and fight and kind of say, no, we're going to, you know, we're also going to take charge of these things. It also speaks to me of the fact that I do believe that the New York City theatrical culture needs to be decentralized, right? <laughs> Decentralization. You love but it. it does. Yes. Because there is too much of a cultural hegemony in New York City's theater scene that doesn't reflect the broader nation at large. It just doesn't. Um, and I, I do believe that we need a stronger uh, dispersion of theatrical. Um, uh, uh, craft in our country, uh, in different communities in Kansas City. We need them in Omaha. We need them in Ohio. We need vibrant arts communities that also, let's just say this, people need to support, right? So like if you're a conservative, I do think it's on you to really support what Clifton is doing here. And I really mm -hmm. want to strongly encourage your listeners that do believe that culture is important for the spreading of ideas because it is. Yes. Uh, I mean, look at Taylor Swift and how this. the conservatives hate her. They're just right. jealous that they don't have a public figure that's as popular as her to spread their ideas. Right. right. And I think there's some people who are complainers who don't get involved. And I'm like, mm -hmm. getting involved is also getting involved in the instruments of culture, right? Whether that be museums, art, uh, 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 yeah, art museums, uh, uh, theater companies, uh, whatever. Yes. People's money is talking. I mean, we've seen so many times when people create projects like this that the money follows. People do desperately want good um theater good art that's going to reflect you know their their worldviews yeah i mean look at um, sound of freedom that movie yes, it's a, that's right. amazingly that's right that's right so i mean i really values. do that's right and i i just think that it's time to put conservatives need to put money where their mouth is it's often hard because conservatives are wired differently they don't see the roi on you know an arts project or or funding a, a a season of a theater Right. But communists they, don't care. They will spend. Uh, they will. They will. They will, ch they will send money down the rabbit hole in order to that's support right. their ideas. Right. Right. So it's you all about the messaging. That's right. You can't complain about the game if you're not playing, son. Yeah. So I, I will say you're definitely speaking to the choir, though, because I mean, right. for instance, like the people who are watching the Wake Up America show, and we've got like you know, uh, let's see, uh, da, 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 about uh, 161 people who are watching this show. Mm -hmm. Like these people support our, our, uh, our, our 
artistic creativity here Absolutely. you know what they, i mean they give to us they very do much. they do yes. and you know uh like right now we're working on producing a documentary and we definitely have raised several thousand dollars mm -hmm. for that in order for us to get that out there so the people who are listening to this show just so you know that's not aimed at you because you guys have been so supportive of us and our uh, creative endeavor here I mean, there's no corporation that is like paying for us to be here no. and do this. We're, this is a very grassroots, bottom up kind of organization. And we need more things like this. We need more Absolutely. content farms that are going out there creating uh, content related to our ideas because we are losing the culture war and we have been losing for a very long time. And until we start to invest in creative works of art that can inspire people to think about things from a uh from a pro i would say just a pro humanist i pro you know rather than a, a anti-natalist point of view right because the left is very um being you know anti-natalist in a sense right being their their uh, climate change agenda really does look at humanity and like the individual human life as worthless right just mm -hmm. like communist china sees the collective as more important than the individual we need works of art that can inspire people to think creative. As a matter of fact, I was having this conversation with a bunch of conspiratards the other day about uh, this concept of, well, because they are very collectivist, right? And many of the, the conspira conspiracy people are like, I used to be a libertarian and now I'm an authoritarian theocrat. And I'm like, well, all right, you know, you know, they don't believe in things like individual rights, you know, and I have to, and for example, they said, um, uh, listen, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of the CIA or, or of the deep state. But they were like, did you know that the United States government funded jazz music to be played overseas? And did you know that they funded works of art in other countries? And they're like, this is because they're trying to psyop us. And I'm kind of like, that's like the least offensive thing I've ever heard that the CIA does, in, in my view, in my opinion, right? And I know that this makes me a deep, a tool, a pawn of the deep state. But, you know, I've never been an infotard, right? I've always been, like, right. way too skeptical to fall for either the mainstream media's bullshit or for the, you know, the infotard's bullshit, right? Like, I think it's all bullshit. Mainstream media, alternative media operate in the same bullshit principle. The only, you know, they're both selling dick pills. The only difference is that Pfizer's might actually help you get it up. Forgive my language. <laughs> um, uh, but the point is, the point of this is that the... Um, the idea that you fund the arts to like, not necessarily subvert, but to inspire. Right. When people heard American jazz music in the 1920s, the world was in shock. The, 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 the roaring 20s of the United States was culture jamming, right? Mm -hmm. While the Russians were trying to, were having a civil war and, 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 and murdering one another by the millions, Americans were writing the, and producing the Great Gatsby. Right, the, yeah. building mansions and building up our, our culture while other countries destroy it. But these violent communists and socialists and leftists want to destroy this American experiment because of jealousy and because of ignorance and of hatred. It's, yeah. it, it's everything right. that Thomas Sowell and others stand against. No, you're right, you're right, you're absolutely right. And um, I had a really good point, but I think it just swam down the river. Uh, oh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the idea, like a George Gershwin, for example, I just was thinking about George Gershwin, right? Jewish American who wrote some of the greatest jazz music ever, right? Which was a black music. Jazz was a black music that started in New Orleans. Thank you very much. You can still go to the square in New Orleans where it sort of began. Um, you know, and the great American musical theater uh, songbook, all written by Jews, right? I mean, the diversity and, and cultural melange of everything that's going on and went on in that time made us richer as a country 
artistically. And what inspires me is that, you know, you could go into a fifth or sixth grade classroom in the 1950s and people could tell you who someone like a Leonard Bernstein was, or they could tell you who uh, a singer like Maria Callas was. There was, you know, there was cachet in these things. They weren't foreign. I mean, even like I was sharing the other day on my Facebook page that Ed Sullivan, right? Ed Sullivan, TV show, would mm -hmm. put on high artistic things to inspire audiences. And some kids would see that and go, wow, what's that thing? What's that opera thing? I've never seen that before. So, you know, and then inspiring. So yeah, the arts have a vital role to play in not just, uh, you know, entertaining us, but also in inspiring us. And I have this great quote by Noel Coward, who I love. Noel Coward was a British um, uh, theater uh, composer. He was a playwright. He wrote this great quote. I just want to share it. He said, the theater should be treated with respect. The theater is a wonderful place, a house of strange enchantment, a temple of illusion. What it most emphatically is not and never will be is a scruffy, ill-lit, fumed oak drill hall serving as a temporary soapbox for political propaganda. And he was writing that like in the 1930s and 40s. So, I mean, yeah, that's my theatrical value. I want connection. I want enchantment. And I think that what Clifton is doing is trying to put out some, uh, you know, countercultural message because we're obviously only getting one message from algorithms and all of this other crap, mainstream media, the corporate media, they want us to look at things in a specific way. And we need art to be the lens uh, on society, which is what great art has always done. It's always held up the mirror to society to say, are you sure? So, uh, yeah. Joni, Rank Joni Rankin, she's, she's like us, she's a theater nerd. She says, so, so hard to support local theater here in Springfield, Missouri. Lived here for six years and attended two plays. One was Oppenheimer, the other a Mamet play. If you haven't read or heard of David Mamet, and she's continuing on there. But Mamet was the one, didn't he write Glengarry Glenn Ross? I don't know, but I just always laugh because Uta Hagen, the great acting teacher, hated him. Oh, really? She hated him. <laughs> yeah, he wrote this book called Truth and the Actor or something. And she just was, she went off on him on the New York Times one time. She just was like, it's madness. I won't allow his plays to be, you know, done in my school. Yeah, she hated it, David Mamet. And I was like, okay, go Uda. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of like culture jamming, for example, one of the, one of the more effective um, plays that had a broad impact on American culture was The Crucible mm -hmm. because of its, uh, its, it was really a satire on the McCar McCarthy hearings hmm. rather than an actual tale uh, that was, you know, close to the truth related to the Salem witch trials. So what Arthur Miller, who was, wasn't he married to Marilyn Monroe for a yeah. little while? Yes, yeah. he was. That's yeah, right. he was one of Marilyn Monroe's um, husbands. And uh, he, with the Crucible, was trying to parody what was occurring with the McCarthy hearings that are happening in Washington, D.C. Um, and so plays and theater and film and television are powerful mediums of communication. Yes. And, you know, podcasts and documentaries are powerful mediums to express the uh, our views and opinions. Stephanie has gotten so red-pilled these days that frequently we will be watching television or watching some documentary, and, I, and I, I can hear her rolling her eyes because she starts to she picks up so much on these leftist themes that are sometimes very subtle. Oh, very, much. very subtle, right? So the assumption is always that the corporation is evil and the and the government is good, yeah. and you know, I'm trying to think of an example, but I'm. I hate that. Propaganda isn't everything inherently, yes. even, even if it's good propaganda, the kind we want to spread. It's right. like there's always going to be bias in everything. And I think that's something we just have to accept. 
We can never have a non-biased piece of art. Well, just think about it. So like Superman, for example, could a, a, a superhero like Superman in his original form as it was, would something like that ever be created today? No, because no. he was born, you know, a white cis male, uh, attracted to a white cis female, uh, born and raised on a farm in Kansas. And what does he stand for? What does Superman stand for? Saving people. Well, what is justice in the American way, baby? Which oh. truth, justice in the American way. Yeah. What is the American way? What is the American way, Justin? At least uh, let's go back to the 1980s, Justin. You've got your Wonder Woman comic book, and I've got <laughs> my, and I've got my Superman comic book. What? What? In, if we could get back to our brain now that we've been, if we've had it so polluted by this yeah. by this toxic media and culture since then. If you and I could go back to 1989 and we're little boys and we're sitting on, we're sitting together in your room, um, you know, sitting above the North room and we're looking out the window and read, reading your comic books and we've got a, a bottle of Gak and Play-Doh and life, you know, the the game of life and whatever that spooky horror game was that you played the tape, but we've got shrieks our- Shrieks and Creeks, shrieks baby. And creeks, shrieks shrieks thank and you. Creeks. And we've got the Shrieks and Creeks over there and I'm hitting the button and annoying the crap out of you just playing the, the noises. But we've got, I've got my Superman comic book, Justin. What are, if somebody asked us, what was the American way that Superman stood yeah. for? What would we have well, said? I mean, one thing that comes to my mind is a, is a lack of cynicism. We're living in a tremendously cynical age and where people sort of think criticism is a valid opinion. Like sometimes criticism is just dumb and like you're just being stupid. That everything now needs to be critiqued and criticized and dismantled and deconstructed and, you know. I'm like, we didn't have any of that. We could appreciate something uh, without this veneer of cynicism over it. Um, and I just think that we've become so cynical in our current age about everything. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, a lack of uh, inspiration, a lack of, uh, and creativity, really, at the end of the day. Uh, we've, we've also, as I think, as Americans, we've also given over our creativity to other people. I think there was a time in the United States when people would be creative on their own, uh, whether that was in music or arts or craftsmanship or whatever they would do, people would do it themselves. And now we outsource all of that to other people. So we've given that, you know, oh, well, you make music. Well, in the early 1900s in the United States of America, it was a sign of prestige to have a piano in your front room and make, mm -hmm. and make the music on the piano. People made music. They didn't outsource it. They didn't play it on records all the time, right? They didn't consume music. They made it. Here's, here's what ChatGPT, which is kind of woke, interprets the American way as. It says, generally, it encompasses a set of values such as freedom, democracy, equality, and a belief in hard work and fair play. Okay. It, al it also often implies a sense of optimism, justice, mm -hmm. and the pursuit of happiness. Um, and then, of course, they give us a little lecture saying it's important, important to note that the interpretation of what constitutes this can vary significantly depending on the time period, social context and the individual's perspective. Right. <laughs> right, right. So right, but right. it represents an idealized version of American values focusing on heroism, doing what's right and protecting yes. the innocent. These are not the values well, is, of modern America. No, this is what you said yesterday with Camellia, which I think is so important. It's like you've got to keep your white pill. You know, you've got to keep your white pill in the midst of all of this stuff. It's like you, you can't you cannot allow yourself to be consumed by the powers of darkness. Right. Oh, absolutely. It's very easy to do. Finding very a balance do. between positive and negative is very hard in this society. Yeah, because what you get are extremes. Mm -hmm. So you either get absolute rampant cynicism or you get toxic positivity. Mm -hmm. Right. You get this like forced positivity that doesn't take 
stack or take a, account of the situation. Uh, you get extremes, right? You get extremes. So I think, uh, but for me, optimism is an important, I'm very much, I mean, if, I think once I took a Strengths Finder test, I don't know if you've ever done Strengths Finder. They're talking about tests. There's a test called Strengths Finder. Uh, you can find out what your, your top five strengths are. And my number one, my number one strength of all of my strengths was positivity. That oh, was wow. Like about, like, I don't know, however many skills, like maybe 50, 60 strengths that a person can have. My number one trait was positivity. Mm -hmm. um, and. I think we need more of that, unfortunately. And that's why I think for me in music, that's why I think music for me is something that I'm hoping to do to more of to bring more happiness and more light into the world, you know, because it's a dark world and, yes. and we, need, we need happiness and we need connection and we need, you know, because it's like the climate change people who are always throwing, you know, uh, paint on everything, you know, because they're yes. like, oh, we want to spread our message. And I'm like, what good does it do to live in a world where there is no art? What good does it do? I mean, art is, is meaning making. Art is how we find meaning in life, whether it's music mm -hmm. or, or, you know. I mean, they, I heard, the, what, this past week they went into con where the Constitution was and they threw, what, paint on the Constitution? They're like a red oh powder. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you hear about this? No. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so horrible. Like, and the, and the, what I love was just like all the security, the detail of security was just kind of like, you know, stumbling around, just kind of like, okay, like yeah. whatever. DC like, cops are federal cops, so. Wow. There you go. So we've been talking about all of this. I'm I'm relating it back to the black culture and what we see on TV shows that have black people in them. I mean, I was just thinking about like the TV shows I grew up watching, like Family Matters, and then you had the Jeffersons. Um, what was the one with uh, Bill Cosby? Bill Cosby Show. Yeah, the Cosby yeah. Show. Yeah. So it's like those were the shows we grew up watching. I don't know what the shows of today look like that feature mm. black families. I don't know what they make the family unit look like. I don't watch television, to be honest. I don't. I just don't watch TV. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm like, I don't watch TV. And people always go, "Are you watching this show?" And I'm like, "No." But like, I remember growing up in the in the well 80s and watching Good Times, which was about a family that was living in the literal projects. It was a black mm. family living in impoverished, okay. and they brought again that show brought so much dignity to that family. And it was uh, and the Jeffersons was another television show right. that was on in the 70s and 80s. Uh, you know, yeah, and, and people, of course, racists didn't want to see that on their TV, of course. You right, know. But, but it's like, I at least it was a good, positive example for kids in yeah, the community. I mean, the well, yeah, I didn't, yeah, the Cosby show was groundbreaking in terms yeah. of... But the thing is, it's like, I didn't grow up in a culture that told me I couldn't watch those shows because they were Black people. I, I got to watch those shows. I also mm -hmm. watched um, L Living Single. Yeah. I watched Living Single. Oh, I Will watched Smith, A Different um, World. Uh, what was the one? The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Mm, yeah, Fresh Prince yeah. of Bel Air. Oh, I watched yeah, in Living one. Color. Uh -huh. I watched in Living Color with uh, the Wayans family, which was hilariously funny. Yeah. Mad TV, right? Like there were all of these yeah, great we watched shows black where there TV was shows, and they were all positive role models, right? And they were hilariously funny. Like yeah. um, Dad, Dad, and uh, uh, what was his name? Um, oh crap! What's the comedian's name? Gina. What's his name? Oh, Martin. Or Martin, 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 yeah, we Martin, hilarious, dude. We were watching Blue Streak just last week, and I was telling Stephanie, I was like, we don't have good funny movies like this anymore. Like, no. right. White chicks, remember White yeah. chicks? I mean, right. people yes. are like people like that's still like people talk about that movie, but it came out a long time ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, but so it wasn't like we didn't have the opportunity to like and you know see that. Like, and then like, and, look and, at Will and, Smith's real family. Look at his actual family. Right. Like that is. I mean, even like celebrity black families are like 
broken up. They're destroyed. Yeah. I mean, like they're, they're dysfunctional. Yeah. Right. And it, like these are the examples that like young minority children have to look up to. Like, right. like I feel bad for Will Smith for what what I mean. Like he has you know, definitely reaped what he's sown to an extent with his with, with the choosing of his wife. But God, his kids have just really like his kids have suffered. Mm-hmm. He has suffered because of the woman that he has chosen to be with. Um, I also think that those people that are at that level of, of success, they, they don't walk in the world that you and I live in. I don't think they live in even the same world. Like, oh, no. Yeah. They, they're not even, re- we, they wouldn't even remotely know like where their food comes from, probably. Right. Like, they're just, they're living in a completely disjointed, disconnected life. I was actually just, that- I was talking to Austin about this the other day. I was like, you know, Taylor Swift, someone like her, they could never have a real like civilian friend, you know, that's just in a normal neighborhood. She has to have other celebrity friends or high profile friends. It's, it's almost impossible for these people in the public eye like that to, to really connect with normal people. Yeah. I think though, that's one of the reasons why I kind of like that she's hanging around Kansas city Mm -hmm. because I feel like She's in an environment now in the middle uh, middle of the country where she's around normal people. You know, I right. was not that I watch Joe Rogan a lot because I don't, but I do get clips once in a while. And he was talking. I think his show is in Austin, Texas. Right? Yes. I think Joe Rogan's show is in Austin. Yeah, he Texas. moved from all the shows are in he, Texas. Well, he moved it from LA to Texas. Uh, yeah. Elon Musk so moved his he, company to Texas recently. So Rogan yeah. was talking about dealing with the people that are in Austin, Texas, as a as a comparison to the people of Los Angeles, and he oh, was like, yeah. The people in Austin, Texas are amazing. And I'm like, when I see that story and then I see Taylor Swift spending time in Leewood, Kansas, you know, mm-hmm. I'm always like, I think there's a, maybe there's a, a need and a craving to be around the hoi polloi, as it were, right? Mm-hmm. The, 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 the general people. It's like, it, it's, it's like, yeah, here we are. You know, here's the, here's the rest of us. Yeah. And it's refreshing. So when I see Taylor Swift driving around Kansas City with her boyfriend, I'm like, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, Justin, you and I, you know, we've led very different lifestyles than most boys who are raised on farms in, in Missouri. Um, most of the boys who are raised on, on farms in peculiar Missouri are still in peculiar Missouri. And, you know, they're, they're working in garages and, and fixing cars and, and you know, working on the farm or working yeah. on the farm and, and doing that kind of stuff. And then we've kind of led these sort of, you know, wild lifestyles li- li- living on the East Coast. I lived there for 11 years. You've lived there even longer now. Uh, and so we've had this perspective of uh, of these lifestyles that have altered our view of things. I think it it definitely puts me out of step with both cultures, mm-hmm. right? Like I'll never really fully be accepted as a conservative to an extent because of my time on the on the East Coast that has put me in contact with like you know a different culture. And then I'll never fully be accepted on East Coast culture because they see me as bit, a bit of a rube and, and and backwards in my thinking because I'm pro-life or you don't, I vote Republican and all these kinds of things, right? So right. so to have feet in both camps, I, it, if anything, you know, you end up being sort of a libertarian, right? In, in many ways, a classical liberal, if you will, right? right? But right. It, it gives you this perspective of humans, I didn't like live i i prefer to live among the hoi polloi like that there is it mm-hmm. what it once you've tasted that lifestyle and you've had mm-hmm. that culture mm-hmm. like stephanie and i we're going to go back to dc for the cherry blossom festival spend a few days there with our friends you know we're going to go sit up at my favorite bar that overlooks the white house and i'll drink a martini and we'll wear nice clothes and we'll have a couple of days where we'll be you know super class a 
But then we're going to come home to Jefferson City. We're going to go out to Cole County. We're going to be on the farm of the, you know, the little farmhouse there with our two dogs, right? And we're going to raise our children in an environment that is healthy for them. Because I think it's unhealthy. I think that the, that our inner cities, that American culture and city culture is an unhealthy environment for children to be raised in. And I'll bet you Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift probably recognize that as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look what they do with a lot of the inner city kids. They take them out to the country. They even do that in New York City. Hmm. They take, you know, they take them out to New Jersey, which is not yeah. an improvement. But, not much. But yeah. it's, you know, yeah. Sorry, New Jersey. I love you. I lived there five years, so I can talk. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, they get them out of the city and there's something nervous about the city. There's something anxious about the oh, city yes. until you get into the country and until you get into the piece of, uh, I can remember my blood pressure dropping as I left the New York city area and came up North here into Boston. I could, and just coming by trees and plants and, and grass again, and I could just feel my spirit just kind of going, Oh, right, right. You know? Yeah, to imagine so many people have never felt that peace before who have lived in a city their whole life and grew up there. Oh, yeah, well, they are oftentimes, well, with many of, uh, many people say, well, it's a lack of stimulation, which is precisely the point. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the funny stories is that the Menninger Clinic, uh, which was a mental health facility, used to be in Topeka, I think it might still be there, in, in Topeka, Kansas. It's where all the Hollywood celebrities would go to dry out when they were all drunk and on drugs. Because there was no stimulation. They were out of oh, that yeah. stimulated environment. There's a reason why all these mental health rehab facilities are in very remote locations. You know, they're on yes. horse farms. You can do like a wilderness camp where you yes. can get away yes. from everything. Yeah, there's very few that I hear of where they're like, oh, enjoy the bustling New York City while you're in rehab. Yeah, it's overstimulating. It's overstimulating is what it is. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll face a challenge, obviously, financially, as we, you know, we raise children here in the Midwest to try and give our kids the lifestyle that is enculturated. Now, when I was growing up, Justin, my experience was a little bit different than yours, because dad would frequently take me and grandpa and we would go to Washington, D.C. We did one family trip together when we were kids. But then subsequently, dad and I would go either with grandpa hands or just together to go to visit the cultural uh, battlefields of the Civil War. So going there frequently growing up, you know, it helped to me to get a perspective of history and a love for history and a knowledge of American history that has reverberated, you know, throughout my entire lifetime. And I even remember our our first trip to Washington, D.C. as a child visiting the Jefferson Memorial getting my first book about Thomas Jefferson and then, you know, my sort of my love affair with freedom and with writing and the Constitution and liberty, you know, really began. But I hope that I can give my kids uh, um, a little bit of a wider perspective, even knowing that it does alienate us to the cultures Mm -hmm. to some extent to have that because the polarization that's occurring in our country politically is, I believe, a, a direct, um, a direct sort of a descendant of the classic agrarian South versus industrialist North conflict that has, that has been going on since the foundations of our re- Republic. Mm-hmm. And, and, and these tensions exist today in more of an urban versus rural sort of a form. But I think that it's better, better to be alienated from popular culture and knowledgeable and aware of it and cognizant of it to to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, to go to the Guggenheim, to uh, to go to visit the American Natural History Museum, and to 
to look at the dinosaurs and to look at and to and to to look at the exhibit by the Koch brothers that shows that 60% of our DNA is banana, meaning that humans <laughs> and bananas share a common ancestor, right? But but Justin, having grown up in church, we were taught that evolution was a lie. We were taught that this was that the earth was 4,000 years old, that the Bible was literal truth, that Genesis was a, that Adam and Eve were real people that existed, and that you know the the pain of childbirth that my wife will experience is a result of original sin, and and and, and subsequently that and you know they bleed because of Eve's sin. But I wouldn't change my upbringing. Like I don't no. believe. I don't believe like those literal truths as those tenets of the Bible as literal truths, but I loved our church family. I love the people that we were raised in. We were raised in a loving home. We were surrounded by a loving church family. We were surrounded by good hearted people that would, that would do anything for us. They'd fight, they'd die for you. And did. And did. I mean, when our mom died, I mean, it was maybe what, six months of church relative you know church family folks coming by with casseroles coming by to make sure we had food to eat mm-hmm. i mean you know yeah i mean we're that's the community that i think the socialists want but you cannot scale that you know it has to be these communism works for about 100 people <laughs> and that's it you know it doesn't scale up but i mean the, the church it's funny i was i i i'm on i'm on reddit quite a bit because i just love you know people to see what people are talking about mm-hmm. and they were talking one of the subreddits was about poverty and this person was saying i can't believe all the free stuff that i'm getting in church he's like there's a guy that does roofs there's another guy that does plumbing Uh there's another guy that does x y and z and they're all in this church community and they're all taking care of each other you know and this guy's not having to put any money out on them there's food on sunday like he was just saying you know so like the incentive like get in church (laughs) y'all like the the incentive for community the incentive for Yes. Yeah, but I mean, yes. they build they build the sense of community that socialists always talk about and try and force by right. you, by through government, and, and so and so think about this, Justin. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, get to get this sense of perspective that we have to look at, uh, back on our church family with love, and to and to realize that this was a an ideal an idealistic way to be raised on the farm with a church family. Right. And to have these principles instilled in us as children to grow up, to move to New York City, to move to Boston, to be in Washington, D.C., to be players in in music and in the arts and theater and television right. and film and to to have these lifestyles that we've lived, Justin, and we have lived incredible lives. You know, you've traveled to Europe. I, we've you know, I, go ahead. I would even I would even scale it smaller. Mm-hmm. I would see, take that and I would even put that even in a smaller lens. We had parents that fostered our interests and encouraged our interests. And that I think is the key. There are many parents who don't do that with their children, right? They, they dissuade their children from pursuing whatever the, the child's interest is. Oh, that's not practical. You shouldn't do that. There's a lot of naysaying going on, right? And I think you and I were very lucky in that we both had, like when you were gonna go to Baylor for law, right? You were gonna go to school for law and you're like, I wanna be an actor, you know? And dad could have been like, no, you're going to Baylor. This is the thing you we agreed on and you're gonna do this. Mm-hmm. Dad didn't say that, dad didn't do that. Dad said, no, okay, we'll, we'll do this then. So, I mean, that's tremendous, that's incredible that, that we'd have parents that would be willing, even if we were like, you know, zigzagging around, they would say, oh, okay, you're gonna do it over there. You know, my m- moms used to say to me, no matter what we put you in, soccer or any other kind of thing for kids, you always came back to music, you know? 
So there was always this thing for me that was like music, 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 music. Uh, but we're very, very, very fortunate because I think there's a lot of parents who are gatekeeping their children from having the kinds of experiences that we had, you know, okay. to give their children the freedom to say, you fly, you fly. And I think that's very healthy parenting, right? At the end of the day, because I'll say another thing, you and I grew up in the same house and yet we're very distinctly different. That is also a successful parenting job Absolutely. because you don't want your kids to be the same. You want them to be different. You want them to be their own individual people. So, I mean, you, we got the genetic lottery when we got our parents. I mean, there's, to me, there's no question about that. Um, because at any point, my mom and dad could have been like, okay, it's enough with music. You need to get a real job. You need to, you know, you need to do something real. No, there was, al there was always encouraging. There yeah, were always for encouraging. Sure. And, and we've learned a lot of lessons in our life and, and, uh, and through our careers. You know, there are probably things that I would do differently looking back on it, right? It's certainly that, but you have to learn from your mistakes as well as your successes. So that's what life is. Yep. I mean, I, I often joke with people. I'm like, I want to go into the ground being battered, bruised, and beat up by life. I want to have tried it all. I want to <laughs> try to do it all. Exactly. I don't want to be a safe, protected, like, oh, I never experienced anything. I'm like, yeah. It, it, it feels okay because you're safe, but you also have this very antiseptic, bourgeoisie, dull life. And I don't want that. So. That's actually a good point to bring back, you know, to this whole Kansas City issue going on. I mean, seize the day. You have to live your life. And I believe yeah. when it's your time, it's your time, you know, but oh, yeah. until then, you, you just got to enjoy it and, and just do what you want to do with the moments you have. Well, and also, like you say, Steffi, all the time, Amor Fati, love the life you have and love what's here. That's because right. Because it's all that you've got. Yeah. So, you know, okay, this is happening. Well, rather, I, I, so insights from therapy. Um, <laughs> I was having a particular emotional state this week, and I was feeling a lot of guilt because I was having that emotional state, right? Mm -hmm. So rather than feeling the emotion and having the emotion and saying, okay, I feel this emotion, I was like, I shouldn't have this emotion. I shouldn't have this. It's the and wrong that's thing what I mean think. by Amor Fati. It's like, it's here. So yes, good let's and look bad. We embrace good and bad that's things. Right. And we say, this is where I am. This is where my journey is right. taking me. And I love it. Thank you yep. for it. We're coming up on the end of the show, Justin. We got to go. Unfortunately, the sad music has started to play. Tell us, Justin, where we can follow you online and learn more about your sub stack and your writing and all of your creative activities. Yeah, so right now I'm running, I'm running, I'm writing a Substack at my name, justinpeterson.substack.com. Today I'm publishing an article at 10 o'clock here, uh, Eastern time, on why we should get singing training out of academia. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if it's very, it's very uh, high, you know, uh, big brain time stuff that I write about. But oh, uh, you know, I love if people are interested in history and, and the, the history of singing and training singing, uh, it's a place to come to. So that's where I'm at, justinpeterson.substack.com. No, justinpeterson.substack.com. Justin, we love you very much. Thanks, Thanks brother. Hope to see you soon. Well, I guess we'll see you next Friday on the show. Have a good one. All right, happy Friday. Happy Bye. Friday. All right, well, before we go, Stephanie, before we say goodbye, I want to remind people to check out our website, ap4libertyshop.com. Today, I want people to take a couple of minutes and search around because look at what we've got this awesome shoe collection. There are so many things. I mean, honestly, even though we put together all the products on this page, I find things that I forgot we even had on there. So there is a lot of variety. T-shirts, drinkware. Shoes. And shoes. Yes. yes. 
Check this out over at APforLibertyShop.com. Two of our most popular shoes are our Star Spangled Sneaks. I have those. Shoe off your patriotism. We've you got, we both those. have got these. Uh-huh. Venom Velocity Gadsden Liberty Sneakers. Those should be 10% off with the uh, code Gadsden Flag. You can get them 10% yes. off today only, I think, is the last day. Use code mm. Gadsden Flag to save 10% on the Venom Velocity Gadsden Liberty Sneakers. Quackers and Packers Canvas Boots. Oh, they're they're little duckies Rubber with ducks paddles and guns. And machine guns. They're fun. Quackers and Packers. Uh, you can also get Pepe the Frog Seder, Retro Neon Firearm Sandals, Trump-tastic sandals or sneakers, uh, Women's Kicks, Slip-on Canvas Shoes, Thought Criminal, Women's Low-Top Sneakers, Flag Flip-Flops, all kinds of awesome Liberty Shoe Wear. Let's do a shoe sale today. Yeah, why not? That well, might be about, cool. How about that? Let's do a shoe sale over at the shop. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll do that. We'll release that later today. Okay, watch out for Have you signed up for text messages over at APforLibertyShop.com? You'll get a text and we'll let you know what the code is. So make sure you head over to APforLibertyShop.com. Spin the wheel that pops up. I when mean, you get over there sales anyway exactly you get like 10 percent off just <laughs> spinning the wheel so you'll also get on our text messaging list don't worry we only text three times a week uh and you get awesome coupons and deals and updates well, on what's going what on in like the world. about the texting because when i bought our custom metal sign for our neighborhood mm. um i got all of these dates keeping me informed of where my package was and, mm -hmm. and so i really liked the texting for honestly. sure yeah when you sign up for text alerts you get to get package tracking and all kinds of good stuff like that so check it out ap for liberty shop.com that's ap the number four ap for liberty shop.com i guess we'll see you guys on monday or well yeah president's day Oh, it's his birthday. And my birthday. Yes. Uh, I'm taking the day off. Okay. So You'll I, take the day I off. I can hang out. Uh, you can come <laughs> hang out with us on Monday on my birthday. I'll still do a show. And um, next week, I guess we're going to do the top five worst presidents in U.S. history. So Ooh. that'll be the bonus content next week. Thanks for unlocking all of the bonus content, by the way. I have been uploading them to my YouTube. So if you want to share them around later and see the, the content in case you missed it, then you can visit you them. Only update, you only upload them if you unlock them. Yes. So yes. you wouldn't upload something that hasn't been unlocked exactly. so don't they, worry but guys they've, but they've unlocked everything so <laughs> yes. far so thank you guys for all of that like tony martinez and and quest fanning and uh nancy solorio and uh all of our friends uh, maddie megatron and others you guys are awesome we appreciate you we'll see you guys on monday stephanie anything else be free be free okay guys we'll see you guys tomorrow on the wake up america show at wakeupamericashow.com